Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to RM Podcast FL. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in today and investing your time towards the podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode, but before we do jump in, I just want to take a special moment and thank each of every one of our listeners. So far, we are in 24 different countries. I mean, that is amazing, guys. I have not been in 24 different countries yet. <laughs> um, but I also have some great projects coming out soon. I'm partnering up with one of my very good friends, so we're going to launch some stuff very soon, so definitely stay tuned for that. And today's episode, it will be kind of a continuity of last week's episode. Last week, we did have Kwame Christian um, uh, from American Negotiation Institute in here, and today we have Catherine Knapke. She is the Communication and Operations Manager for American Negotiation Institute. They're doing some really amazing stuff there, guys. That's why I would love to have both of them on the podcast, the two big masterminds be- behind this negotiation institute. Catherine does have a background on nursing, so we actually touched some really great topics when it comes to negotiation as well as when it comes to um, conflict resolution and mental health. We do talk about anxiety too there as well, guys. Um, that is a topic that unfortunately not a lot, a lot of us talk about, but it is a topic that we do have to touch. And as you know, I do not like to fluff things around i think it's very important to be straightforward and cover important topics and even topics that sometimes we're scared to talk about so let's go about it um but before we do jump to the episode don't forget you can find us on multiple different platforms we are on podcast uh, itunes podcast stitches radio youtube podbean google play our hard radio um did i miss anything I said everything. Yep. Without losing any time, guys, let's dive right into the interview. And I hope you guys really, really enjoy it. Thank you so so much, guys, for tuning in and investing your time towards the RM Podcast episode. Today's guest is Catherine Knappi. Hi, how are you doing today? Hi, Romina. I'm great. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited about this. I know we chatted about two weeks ago and kind of bouncing a lot of ideas. And Mm -hmm. I definitely want to get to know you more. And I definitely want my audience to get to know you more because I think you're awesome of what you're doing. Thank you. Absolutely. So um, I will go ahead and pass on the mic to you, hon. If you want to introduce yourself, tell us about Young You to today. Give us the story of Catherine. Absolutely. Um, So my young self is much different from my today self. So growing up, I grew up in a Mennonite background. Um, uh-huh. And for those that don't know what a Mennonite is, the central tenet is pacifism. And okay. that was kind of modeled through what my parents uh, portrayed is this idea that you kind of want to be in this peaceful state. And I kind of took it to an extreme uh, to the point where I was avoiding conflict and just because it was so much easier to avoid than to engage in conflict into difficult kind of situations because you know there's the risk of well what if this falls through and that created so much anxiety uh, for me that I just kind of completely avoided and growing up in my career my backgrounds in nursing um, I would even it even got to the point where I would call off of work to avoid difficult conversations So it was something that I really struggled with. And I think it's really important for people to understand because a lot of times, you know, talking to people and seeing where they're at, um, it's easy to see their end point and think, oh, well, they were just born that way. And we don't really see where they kind of start. So their starting point is much different than the ending point. And I'm still on my journey. So I still struggle with difficult conversations and, and kind of detaching myself from that background of, well, you need to be nice and 
this uh, disconnect that being nice and uh, negotiating or engaging in difficult conversation can go together. And um, also along with that was like this idea that, you know, I should be grateful. And I think a lot of women kind of experience this a lot is the idea that you should be grateful, don't ask for more, you should be like appreciative of, of what you have. And it's been having to learn how to turn that kind of mindset around and that you can still be grateful, but also still want more for yourself. So that was me before and now, you know, I use my background in nursing. I was primarily a psych nurse um, working with adolescents in an inpatient psych unit um, and did like some crisis management there. Uh, and then also combine that with some mediation training. And now I work as the communications and operations manager for the American Negotiation Institute with Kwame, who I know was on your show. Correct. Not too long ago. That is an interview that I have to say I definitely enjoyed. We got uh, really deep into like negotiation to even like family members and freedom and everything. So it was, it's a very interesting one. So now, now I, I get to do that. And, um, you know, we're kind of branching into the women's division. So I'm kind of taking over. I started out in more of an assistant position. And now I'm, we're branching out into a um, women's focused area and also, you know, kind of those healthcare focused areas so that those areas that Kwame can't really address. Um, and so come October, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're launching a new podcast called Ask With Confidence that I get to host. So, and you'll be on there. We'll do your recording soon. Which I'm really yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations on the new project though. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm nervous about it. You know, I still struggle with, you know, well, what if people don't like me or, or something that's very common with women, imposter syndrome. So this idea that I'm kind of a fraud, even though I have the qualifications and the skills and everything, feeling like I don't belong and somebody's going to discover me as a fraud. So I'm still struggling through that, but I am really excited to, to start this new, new path. So I want to, I want to go back a little bit when you did mention with anxiety. So that's something that I was not very well educated before on, but I've been dealing with anxiety, I would say in the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought I was going crazy. Cause I was like, what is going on with me? Like, uh, which I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like I have my goals. I have my vision. Why am I getting anxious? Like, why am I freaking out? Like this is holding me back. So um, something that I would have to say with anxiety, though, it is a big issue, but a lot of people are scared to talk about it because they feel like they're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there is like a huge, even though there have been movements to kind of get past it, there is still a huge stigma on mental illness. And when I say anxiety, you don't necessarily have to be diagnosed with, a, with an actual condition mm -hmm. um, in order to still experience feelings of like feeling of anxiousness, uh, like your heart is racing, just stressed out, those kind of all come together and form that kind of anxiety, nervousness, um, and, and it can it really um, bring down confidence. So um, one thing, because I do see a counselor every month, and I just feel like it's been helping me a lot more, like the podcast idea started because of him asking, like, triggering questions from my brain, so I was like, oh, I can, awesome. I can do this, I can do this. But I remember first, and I thought, like I said, I thought like I was, something was wrong with me at first, but then he explained to me, it's like, it's anxiety. So I was like, whoa, I'm not sick. So <laughs> I'm Albanian. And like going back to the stigma, like mental, like it's not a mental illness. It's just a mental aid that needs, needs to be fixed. You know, mm -hmm. just like you scratch yourself or you hurt your knee, like it needs to be fixed. That's what. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I remember, and maybe the listeners can take advantage of this too. I remember he advised me to create an emergency kit. Mm-hmm. Um, what he said, he said, uh, we have smells, touchings, and uh, hearing. He mm-hmm. said, put a, make a playlist that is all your favorite songs. So if mm-hmm. you feel anxious or if you feel stressed out, just play the playlist. He said, for, awesome. yeah, for smell, he said, get your favorite smell, like a perfume or like a lavender or something, like have it with you. So mm-hmm. if you feel stressed out, smell that. Mm-hmm. And for taste, he said, uh, get a favorite snack. So he said, every time you feel anxious or you feel very nervous, take one of this with you. And he said, and it will help you. But at first I was like, yeah, you're funny. I was like, I'm not going to carry an emergency <laughs> kit with me. So, but I started doing it. And I was like, this is really great. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's why I wanted to share it uh, on the podcast too. Like it's something really great because it's, those are three very important things when it comes to like relaxing and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, Mike, so tell me a little bit, what do you enjoy the most from what you currently do? Like, what are you excited to go to, uh, to show up to work? Cause we all have a why, but what's your, what's your big why? So kind of touching on your anxiety thing, I wanted to, to go back to that really fast and, and okay. link that to why I enjoy this so much. So anxiety, a lot of people think, oh, there's something wrong with me, but it comes from a place of fear. And the good news is, is you can change those neural pathways. So the more that you do something, the less that kind of fear stimulus can impact you. So the good news is, is you can get over it. And one of the things that I really enjoy most about what I am doing is that it continues to um, kind of lessen my fear stimulus as well. So I'm kind of immersed in this difficult conversation area and talking about it and which is something, you know, I grew up avoiding. And so doing it more and more and more, that fear stimulus is getting less and less and less. Um, And being able to do it more and kind of going through those motions, it's kind of a fake it till you make it situation. Um, So with confidence, I don't always feel so confident, but as I keep doing it, that confidence comes. A lot of times people like to wait until they like to say, well, once I get confident, I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, that's not the case. You have to start somewhere and start practicing and and kind of build that confidence. So it comes along the way of reaching your goal. So that's a huge reason why I really enjoy doing this is because I get just as much from it as um, the others that struggle with it get from it as well. So who would you say was, uh, is a great mentor for you that helped you uh, towards overcoming that? Cause it is, a it is an obstacle. Like, could you say had your back or pushed you towards going for the, you know, going towards that confidence and gaining that extra confidence? Um, I blame Kwame for, for <laughs> that. Um, and you know, I, I met him through the gym that we both attend and kind of fell in to, addressing the confidence issue. I mean, I, I had gone through a bunch of therapy and stuff, but it was still kind of at this like stuck point of, well, how do I, how do I get off of this hamster wheel? So he's been a huge mentor in like pushing me to actually do my goals instead of, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I really want to do this, but you know, he's been very helpful in like pushing me. Okay. Well, what's a step that you can do to get there? And, um, I, I do see the, the, it's a huge importance to just find somebody that you can go to with questions and to mentor you um, in helping push you. Cause a lot of times we can't do that. And like, we don't have that internal motivation. I see. 
that Kwame is really good, actually. I did read his book, and he did touch on the anxiety issue on his book, too, which, which I was mm-hmm. like, you just hit home right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, if, if anybody is struggling and confidence in the area, I, I highly recommend um, checking out the American Negotiation Institute and Kwame's podcast, Negotiate Anything. So he's got a lot of really great episodes there. So let's focus a little bit on uh, negotiation, American Negotiation Institute. Mm-hmm. So um, you guys do have programs all over the states mm-hmm. where you guys uh, go ahead and train different people on how to negotiate. Can you walk us through like the most important steps? Like what does the program contain? So each program that we do is customized. We customize it to, you know, what, in, what individual um, organizations need. So the issues that we always send out a survey beforehand and we talk about, you know, we ask them what are their most difficult areas in negotiation and conflict management. So that way we're figuring out, you know, what's specific to the company. So somebody like Honda is going to be different than somebody like P&G because they're mm-hmm. negotiating different issues. So we always ask a survey and we, we want to customize it specifically. Um, but for me and in my area, since I'm, I'm touching on, you know, things that impact women, one of the things that I really like to start with is this idea of being comfortable with no. And I call it starting your negotiation with no-gotiation, so N-O-gotiation. And it's the idea that you need to have a starting point of being okay with receiving no and sending no um, before you can really get on your way with negotiations. So that's kind of where I start it, um, but it's very customized towards uh, each each individual needs. So how, how does a female get to be used and get to accept with a no answer? So it, a lot of it is changing your mindset. Um, and the idea that, you know, we, we fear, uh, difficult conversations and, and going into kind of conflict because a lot of people are just afraid of, of no, they're afraid of rejection as humans. We have a need to be accepted and understood. And so when you go into a negotiation or a difficult conversation, when somebody is, there's a possibility of saying no, it creates a lot of fear because it's, well, a lot of people misinterpret it as a rejection of them. So it's getting comfortable with the idea that no doesn't mean a rejection of you as a person, but it's a a no to the situation. So usually most of the time, even in negotiations, because both parties are, are interested in continuing that relationship, um, the no is a not yet. So it may be a no to the way that you asked or what you're asking for, but it's not a no to you specifically as a person. And on the flip side of that, it's also understanding that you have the ability to say no. And when you say no, you're not rejecting them as a person. You're still understanding and accepting them, but you don't have to understand to be able to agree. And being able to set those boundaries and know where your limits are so that way when somebody's asking you for more than what you feel you can take on, you can set that boundary and feel good about it. So that you touched a very good point, actually, because we don't like getting the no answer, even though, yeah, we can tell ourselves no means next or no means later, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't like getting the no, but we don't say no either. Like you can Mm -hmm. have um, like a packed schedule and like your friend asks you to do something you, you are more willing to say yes and go out of your way and struggle yourself than actually say no. So it is a hard switch. I feel like it's kind of like when people ask you like, hey, how are you today? I'm good, even though inside you might not be good. It's mm-hmm. kind of those things, like one of the most common lies, I feel like. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that we, we teach is, is doing this no sandwich. So you say yes to the per you're saying yes to the person, no to what they're asking, and then you say yes to future relationships. And that takes off, takes away kind of that impact from that no and kind of lessening the feeling that it's a personal rejection. So if somebody is asking you, a friend's asking you to go to the movies and you don't have time to go to the movies, you say, I, you're saying yes, that you want to spend time with the friend. No, you can't go to the movies. And then yes to continuing the relationship. So it looked like I would absolutely love to go to the movies with you. Unfortunately, I can't go to the movies today because X, Y, and Z, because I'm in a meeting, because I'm recording a podcast with Romina today. And, but I would, I would love to go to the movies with you some other time when, when else in your schedule would be available to go to a movie. And that way, when you're saying no, they're not kind of taking in all of that no or, and, and feeling that no. It's just a no, I can't go to the movies right now. So let's talk about when you get multiple no's. Talk about <laughs> it's okay to walk out of a deal or to walk away from a negotiation because you're going to get multiple no's. Yeah, so sometimes negotiations, you don't get to a resolution. And you might be told no multiple times and what they're offering isn't something you're comfortable with. And sometimes, you know, saying no to that situation, it would be better than if you were to, uh, to accept it. Because if you can't live with what you're agreeing to, so if, if a company, particularly in salary negotiations, which tends to be a huge struggle for women, if they're saying, well, we can only offer you $7,000 a year, mm -hmm. and you're like, well, that's way too low. Like, I can't go anything less than $25,000 a year negotiating anything in between your bottom line and that 7,000 is, should be unacceptable. And if it's something you can't do, and if you start saying yes to those things that are non-negotiable for you, mm -hmm. then people start to learn, okay, well, if I just hold out long enough, Catherine will say yes, or whoever, whoever you are, that you're going to say yes, eventually, as long as the other side can hold out longer than you. So it, it's important to be able to say, to to know when to walk away and know where your bottom lines are. Why, um, you brought up a very good point with salary because females uh, don't tend to negotiate their salary. They just accept the offer. When men, even if they're not doing the job 100%, they still ask for a raise and like they want to raise every day. Why mm -hmm. do you think it changes from female to male's perspective? So there's a couple different reasons on that. Uh, I mean, that could be an entirely different conversation. Um, but some of the big reasons are, you know, when, when asking males and females why they're taking a job, looking at the top five reasons, men usually have financial incentives as the first or second, where it doesn't even show up until the fourth or the fifth option for females. Um, other issues with that, men tend to be a lot more direct in how they ask and, and seeing um, opportunities to negotiate, whereas women kind of um, take, a, take a seat on the, take a back seat to that and, and seeing, well, one, they talk about negotiation as more of a painful experience, so avoiding that. Um, and then also because we're more inclined to preserve relationships. So we tend to be a lot more collaborative um, in our asking, and there's uh, studies that show that women do better when they're asking on behalf of somebody else rather than um, for ourselves, just because of, of, of how our brains work in that sense. So there's a few different reasons why 
women kind of struggle with with that ask but those would probably be the big ones i'm i'm loving this conversation like i i i feel like i'm learning way a lot more and i'm loving this conversation i just have to say um catherine i have a question i have another question um i know we have a big movement uh currently female empowerment um, which I'm, I'm all pro it, but I feel like sometimes it's uh, empowering for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of um, like, if you have it, I feel like if you have an issue, you need to step back, analyze it, find what's wrong, and then fix it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes it's this issue, and you're just going at it, and you're just like, I'm right, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I feel like sometimes, and I'm not trying to bash on the movement. I'm fully pro it. Like I would love to see more independent females out there, like standing up for themselves. But what would you say towards the uh, female movement? Do you have an uh, an idea, an opinion on it, especially when it comes to like the negotiation part of it and the uh, the whole uh, conflict uh, part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, I am definitely all for female empowerment and, and female movement, and that's a big reason why I do this. I think you know there's kind of two sides of the spectrum. One side is females aren't asking enough, so preparing them for that. But then there's like the flip side of, well, once females start asking, then they're too aggressive. So it's adjusting kind of where that ask is. Um, and I, I think it's important to empower females that to that aggressive doesn't necessarily mean um, that you are being aggressive. How do I want to say this? Um, adjusting the mindset. So like other people have this stereotype that women are too aggressive once they start asking. Um, and so a lot of times it's, well, we're being assertive and it's learning kind of that delicate dance between where we're assertive, where we're too aggressive and where we're too passive. Um, so really addressing that, um, how can women adjust their behavior to kind of fall in that middle line um, is really important. And I, and I am actually doing a recording with Chris Plackey, who is going to talk about you know how females are, are interpreted as aggressive and how to um, address that. But a, a big thing is, is, you know, asking, okay, if somebody's giving you feedback of being aggressive, asking, well, what can I do to change? Like, what am I doing that is aggressive, first of mm-hmm. all, because a, aggressive isn't a behavior. So is it because my elbows are too pointy? Is it because I'm furrowing my brow? Like, what exactly am I saying or doing that is aggressive? And then going from there to get positive feedback because you can't change somebody else. So if somebody is going to say, you know, you're being too aggressive, you can't change their, what their opinions and beliefs are, but you can change your own behavior to kind of fall in line of, okay, well, what do you, what is more acceptable? And that's not meaning becoming submissive. It's just meaning how can I adjust my behavior for this to be a positive relationship? I, I love it how you said and uh, ask for feedback because we tend to be scared of feedback and, uh, and we all we want is positive feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually read this on a book. I don't remember the exact title of the book, but I started doing it at the beginning of the year. It said, ask the three closest people to, to, your, to your life and mm-hmm. ask them, and this has to be like an open conversation, no harm feelings. Ask them about your three good qualities and your three bad qualities. Like, and not necessarily bad, but stuff that you have to fix. I mean, everybody want, like, love getting compliments, but when it comes to those bad habits, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to hear this. But my brother ended up telling me, he said, you're too controlling sometimes. Mm-hmm. He said, yes, you're independent, but you're too controlling. So I asked him, I was like, well, what is it too controlling? 
mm -hmm. that your tone of voice and your body language overcome sometimes and you feel like you're in charge. Because I remember I replied to your post, like for the podcast, like, what do you think females should do? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've been paying attention to it more. And I feel like I'm still controlling, but I don't let my body language or my voice overcome the situation. But so that conversation could have gone very wrong. And I could have been, you know what, you're wrong. You know, I don't like this. But I feel like asking for feedback, it's such an important point that a lot of people don't go there because they're scared for the answer. Absolutely. And one of the things with feedback is, and I, I just listened to somebody on a podcast talking about this, is that women tend to get more broad and basic uh, feedback, whereas men tend to get more specific feedback. So the important thing with feedback is making sure that it's specific enough so that way you can adjust because you can't grow if somebody's just telling you, oh, good job, or you look really nice in the office and we really appreciate your work. Well, you can't, you can't know what you're doing that is that is a good job or that you need to work on there's there's no room for growth with just that oh you're doing a good job kind of comment so it, it's important and even though you know critical feedback or or um criticism can can bring up that you know rejection feelings of rejection um but it's, it's important to realize that that's not a rejection of you but rather than looking at behaviors so it's really important that you get very specific feedback so that way you can improve and kind of continue that growth. Yeah, that's very true. And actually, um, there is a book, 101 Toughest Interview Questions, which I love mm -hmm. it because I actually use some of the questions for the, uh, for the podcast. But it's, awesome. a very, yeah, it's a very good book um, it, whenever it comes to like actually people interviewing or people getting interviewed. And one of the questions there actually was talking about the feedback said, you always ask a question at the end of the interview. And one of the questions you want to ask the manager is, you don't have to tell, offer me the job right now, but I would love to get feedback as of how did I do on the interview? Is there anything you suggest me that I need to change so I can improve myself? And I've asked that question and I've read the book like four, four or five years ago when I got hold of it. I asked that question and I've noticed since I asked that question, every interview that I conduct, like I get the job offer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that's a huge thing. And, and I should read that book. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. It's, it's 101 uh, toughest interview questions and it actually gets you the question and the best answer, best way to answer. It's pretty nice. Oh, I like that. But in regards to, you know, feedback, um, managers and in, in, in positions will see that as you wanting to grow and you wanting to improve and how can you be the best employee for them and so you know that carries a lot of weight being able to accept that feedback and and show that you are wanting to grow and, and be a valuable employee so absolutely i think that is a, such a valuable question and um, yeah, I, I really love that question. So I start, I start using it every time now. <laughs> and I even tell my friends, like, let me interview you before your interview, because I have this book that has this awesome question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's brilliant. You can't just take a, a passive role, you know, especially in, in regards to feedback. And then also kind of going back to that um, salary negotiation kind of area, um, subconsciously when looking to promote the people that have asked and have higher salaries subconsciously that registers in our brain as that person has more leadership qualities. So being able to have the skill to ask for a better salary or to ask for those feedback questions that shows a lot when you're being considered for promotion. Um, and you know, with women not 
asking as much or not being as aggressive in their asks. So not, so if a, if a man is asking for $5, a woman might ask for three or $4. So they're just not being as aggressive again, because of that kind of fear response. Um, and, and that really shows over time. What did you say it's the best way for um, female or a male, but I want to focus on the females a little bit more. <laughs> What's the best way you think the, that they should approach their hiring manager or whoever is in charge for a higher salary whenever they're asking for one? Like so, the pitch they can give. So when asking for a salary, women tend to do better, you know, kind of taking a more indirect route. So it's, it's perceived better if a, if a woman asks it in a sense of a question. So how would it, how would we be able to address salary negotiation? Do you have time right now to address um, my salary? And what are the steps that I can take to kind of increase it? So asking it in the form of a question is, tends to work a lot better for women, um, as in, because you're letting the other person make that decision. Um, and unfortunately, it's kind of still playing into those stereotypes that women can't make their own decisions and their own choices. But sometimes you got to kind of have to play into that in order to get ahead um, and um, get into those leadership positions. So um, I want to, so it comes whenever they're young, though. We have, uh, we have this expression, Albanian. It's a very, it's a very weird translation, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> um, it says, a human is a piece of wood that by knowledge um, you sculpture it and then by knowledge you work on it and then it turns into a masterpiece huh so it's i i'm trying my best on translation <laughs> i mean that that makes sense you know you start off with a, you start off with nothing playing and then yeah. you build up and you build up and like the more details and the more work you put to you know to the yourself the best you become but my question is i know you worked with teenagers before and you don't currently have kids, but whenever you do have a daughter, um, the piece of wood, uh, and again, I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying my best yeah. to translate it, but we yeah. get the idea. What, uh, <laughs> this is a very weird translation, but what would you um, teach your daughter or what did you work on her and let her know that the, her, her gender and mm -hmm. her, her face I like it's as important as somebody else. And if she puts something in her mind, she can achieve it. Don't let being a female hold you back. Exactly. Um, I mean, one of, I guess something that I would teach and something that I, I would, you know, explain to um, different patients um, that I, that I worked with is just knowing the importance that they have the ability to ask questions that to speak up and use your voice. Um, and, you know, you don't get the things that you don't ask for. We go through life kind of wanting things to be handed to us, but I, I challenge you to find um, a person like a CEO that hasn't been told no and hasn't asked for things because it just doesn't get handed to us. So really teaching um, and especially the females that you need to speak up and use your voice and it's important to know where your no's are and, and, you know, really stick to what your non-negotiables are. And um, another, so I was listening to another podcast actually, and he was a successful realtor and he was pointing it out um, how his dad raised him and raised his sister. He said mm -hmm. his dad set him down and told him about finances and told him about, you know, like his first car, he's like, I had to work for it. And I like, you know, and I bought my first car, it was like $3,500. Then my sister turned 16 and parents like never told her about finances, buy her a brand new car. 
and being able to just hand it everything and she's not and he said she's not as successful when it comes to money managing compared to me like why do you think is that differentiation too because that that takes you long term it it really does um and it it stems from a whole bunch of you know deep-seated biases and stereotypes and you know 150 years ago women weren't making the decisions. They weren't handling the finances. They weren't having the jobs. Um, they were more like the homemakers. Um, so it's just an issue of kind of paying attention to that. And if, you know, any of your listeners are parents, realize, you know, kind of the messages that you're sending your children. Like if, if boys are only supposed to know things about cars and finances, and then girls are just playing with dolls and, and, um, kitchen sets, you know, what, what kind of message is, is that sending? Um, and just realizing, having some self-awareness to realize um, if, if you are kind of having those different gender stereotypes and um, addressing those. And it's, um, I read this on a book and I kind of explained it funny because, you know, like the question of the century, what is she thinking? What, you know, how can we get in the female's brain? But I read it on, <laughs> I read it on a book and the author, I don't remember the title, I'm trying to find it, but the author explained it very, very awesome. And I think that's why I think like females can do so much more, so, so much more than what, what's, what they're doing. It's that male brain, it's like a highway with two lanes. Mm -hmm. And it's that they have compartments, like they cannot parallel think. Mm -hmm. It's that if, if they have single focus. That female's brain, it's like a six lane highway. <laughs> going crazy and like they, they the compartments are so combined with one another like their brains just bounce so much better and like if they get pushed more to the edge or if they get pushed more they would think so much more out of the box when the male are doing mm -hmm. and I feel like if the parents push them at the young age um, it would be very beneficial for them long term yeah, we would, I mean, we would definitely benefit from that. And, you know, we talk about all these areas where women aren't excelling and, and where they're struggling. Um, but the flip side of that is to recognize that there have been studies showing that when businesses kind of include women and have them in like leadership positions, the, biz the businesses actually do better because women have that collaborative aspect. So they work better in teams, which is really good for when you're negotiating to kind of join teams with the other side. Um, you know, we are, we're also able to address that kind of emotional, that underlying emotional component, you know, when somebody's displaying that to us, cause we're more, I guess we recognize it a little bit more. We pick it's it up. It's the female quicker. intuition. Yes. Yeah. So even though we talk about all these areas where females struggle, it, it's also important to point out where females do better. And, and it's kind of amazing, um, in those leadership positions, just how far they can go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have the CEO of Pepsi. Uh, that is a female in charge, like list, like reading her book, listening to her interviews and everything. And it's just amazing. Like, mm -hmm. and it comes to, cause females have that intuition, have that like mother instinct, have that more like mm -hmm. relatable. She started doing one thing. What, and I find it very awesome. She said she started reaching out to the parents of her employees mm -hmm. just to say happy birthday. And thank you for raising such an amazing leader, you know, or like when awesome. that boys would get promoted she would invite the parents there too and she said that's what took pepsi even their stock market and everything that's what started taking it more up and up which it's thinking about it really it's a female intuition it's like the mother instinct of i'm so proud of you you know like you can do this mm -hmm. but it takes a company like pepsi hitting a whole different level and 
improving getting more deals and improving their stock and everything, which overall improves the economy for them. But it's the female idea. Yes, yes. It's very important to recognize, you know, females kind of have the advantage on that and in the areas where um, we're doing well. You know, it's not all about, well, you're not doing this, so you should be more like a male. Um, the idea shouldn't be to kind of imitate a male or imitate that kind of aspect, but rather than use it, use it for inspiration. So what can you, you take from the success that men have and combine that with what are you doing as a female to kind of get ahead? So how can you use those, those pieces together in order to negotiate better, have more confidence, that kind of thing? Use those, all those highways. <laughs> yes, use every single one. I read that and I was like, this is so true. I was like, this is amazing. And I started laughing. I was like, this is so true. Like it's six lanes. It's that it's two lanes and it's six lanes for females. Like definitely got to take advantage of a female brain. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, men can take some, some tips from us as well, you know, to be better negotiators themselves. You know, it's, it's a two way street. So both sides. Absolutely. And I mean, I've ran into a lot of females that are great negotiators. I mean, where I work at right now, we have mostly females that are on top of the, the tiers and on top of the chart compared to the males. That's so awesome. I, I, I love seeing that. Oh my goodness. Catherine, I feel like we covered a lot of great information. Is there anything else that you would like to add to the interview? Um, I guess my, my big tip for women, especially those uh, feeling like they lack confidence, start with where your nose are know what you can't negotiate past and and know where the other side is coming from as well and, and that will really help build your confidence perfect and then my uh, my very last question as always mm -hmm. uh, it's what is your personal definition of success my personal definition of success well, that's a hard one um i see it as kind of happiness um so what are the things that i'm doing that is bringing me the most joy and the most fulfillment and, and that's kind of where i gauge my success at I see. Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure having you at the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. Absolutely. And for all you listeners out there, if you want to hear great interviews like this one the today, make sure to tune in every Tuesday for interviews and every Thursdays for educational episodes.